You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Today is Thursday, May 20th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 409 featuring the voice of the Celtics, Mike Gorman, is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. All right, folks, we are here. Another nice new edition of Celtics Beat. And, of course, the play-in tournament as it concerns the Celtics. That is over. It's all about the playoffs now. Seven seed seeds will match up with, of course, as fate would have it, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and the Brooklyn Nets. We will dive into all of it and so much more. Evan Valenti is here. He's always here. I'm always here, Adam Kaufman. But the, you know, the, it's not often that we get to be joined by true greatness. No disrespect to our previous guests, but how many of them are Hall of Famers. Like this man is That's right. Mike Gorman, longtime television voice of the Celtics. Of course, Kurt Gowdy Award recipient in the months to come. Congratulations, sir, and welcome. Yeah, thank you very much, Adam. It's, uh, having Kurt Gowdy and me in the same sentence seems like a mistake by somebody. So um, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a real kick for me. Because I mean, he was a Red Sox announcer when I was a kid. And yeah. You'd go to bed at night and listen to games on the radio and you'd hear Ned Martin and Jim Woods, who were terrific, and then you get a TV game and Kurt um but uh yeah I remember those days very well and I remember the announces very well well we've been very fortunate around here Mike uh, you know generations of broadcasters across all the sports obviously to have some some real legends whether you know it's it's Kurt Gowdy it's Gil sure. Santos, Bob, you know, Bob Wilson Fred yeah a, a whole bunch back, but, yeah yeah. You know, but without question I, I'm sure it's it's hard for you to say being the humble person that you are but I, I rest assured Mike Gorman is very much in that sentence. So this uh, this right here is a long time coming as far as I'm concerned. Not just that. I mean, you're, you know, obviously you're your very good friend, the late, great Tommy Heinsohn, who, as we know, is uh, not unlike Bill Russell going into this class with you as a coach. He is, uh, Russell's about to be the fifth, uh, Heinsohn being one of them, of, uh, of, of people that are in the Hall of Fame in two categories. You know, not many people in there as players and coaches. And I mean... <laughs> Tommy should have been in there as far as I'm concerned years ago as a broadcaster as well. And, and been what I imagine to be the first three-time recipient. So it's, you know, it's just, this whole thing must be so special for you. Yeah, it really is. And I certainly wish Tommy was here. Um, he will be there in spirit. And uh, I probably will have a few things to say during my acceptance speech to Tommy's voice speaking. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I look, I look forward to the day. Um, but it, 
it, it's a great honor for me, and I really, really appreciate it individually. And it makes me smile when I go to sleep at night over the last week and a half. Um, but I, I got to get Tommy in there with me because the, the last 40 years have been Mike and Tommy. They weren't, they weren't Mike doing the games. They weren't Tommy doing the games. They were Mike and Tommy. And um, that's how I – if I had my brothers, that's how I would have gone into the Hall of Fame as, as Mike and Tommy, the two of us going in together. But I didn't. And I, I'm flattered by the way people have reacted to um, me being eligible. Um, it's been probably the, the second best experience that has come as a result of this is I'm hearing from people I haven't heard from in 30 years um, who are all over the world, literally, um, and uh, read about this. And we, we are back in touch again with, with people again that I haven't spoken with in 30, 40 years. So that's a real kick. I look forward to getting up in the morning and see what's in my email. I know you've talked about this on NBC as well, but is it extra special? The just the, especially on the heels of Kevin Garnett going in just days ago, your class is it has such a Celtics feel to it. Not only Bill Russell, who I mentioned, but uh, who you've talked about your favorite Celtic all time to watch at least during your your years calling games, Paul Pierce to go in with with him as part of this class as well. Yeah, that's crazy good. I, I, you know, it could have been a whole different experience if uh, somebody from the Houston Rockets and the Denver Nuggets was going in uh, and the writer was from the Los Angeles Times or something like that. <laughs> but um, we, we've got a good group, core group of uh, Celtics. Um, Danny Ainge sent me an email. just said uh, the new big three, Gorman, um, <laughs> <laughs> Pierce, and Russell. Not like in that, that. necessarily in that order. Um, but, um, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great day. Uh, I can't wait to, to experience it. I can't wait for my family to see it. Um, and I can't wait to be part of the Hall of Fame that, you know, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, if I uh, have a grandchild, I could walk through the Hall of Fame and just say, that's me up there. That'd be kind of cool. Well, it's it's awesome. I mean, to, to call it kind of cool, it doesn't even begin to cover it. But this, uh, we, we could go on for hours just talking about that and, and hear a lot of great stories, some of which you've shared with us on, on this podcast in the past. But let's, uh, I guess, for the Celtics, the team living in the here and now, off off this play-in tournament and, and beating the Wizards. Now, just your, your overarching thoughts, not on specifically that game and the win over Washington, but the play in tournament in general. I know it is, it's been successful for the NBA with regard to what the league was going for, the branding, the marketing, the interest, uh, additional markets, uh, you know, who maybe wouldn't have otherwise had uh, a rooting interest this, this time of year mm-hmm. as compared to past years with the traditional format. And, and I, I get it. And it's not going anywhere. I'm sure the league looks at it as a resounding yeah. success, but uh, I, I don't, I, I just don't find it necessary, Mike, at all. You know, I, I think that you already have more than half the league going into the playoffs. Do we really need this time of year, 20 out of 30 teams, you know, being in contention versus mm-hmm. your 16, but, um, and especially since I, I really expect the kind of the chalk to play out, especially there in the West where you mm-hmm. know it's, it's fun to see the Lakers and, and Warriors go head to head in this play in game. But let's be honest, they're both probably coming out of the play in tournament, going to the postseason Anyway, how do you view this, this whole approach by the league? Well, I, I, I didn't think I was going to like it. I, I, I do like it now, though, that, that it's happened. Um, I like the fact that it's kept more teams focused longer than perhaps they may have been during the season. We don't hear any talk, really, of teams tanking. Um, and I think the idea that they can still get into the playoffs if they're the ninth or tenth team um, is good. It keeps four teams paying attention that weren't paying attention before. And that's a good thing. Um, so I know oh, – I apologize for that. No, no worries. We'll sitting, it's more we'll people calling and say congrats. All from 
go. That's history. Thanks. Sorry about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I know Adam Silver is a big fan of the in, in season soccer tournaments. He's a soccer fan and he, and, and that, that's long been a tradition over in Europe that they interrupt their seasons with these little week long tournaments. So how they'd be set up in the NBA, I, I don't know, but I think that's one thing that's on Adam's back burner that he would probably like to see done. So this playing tournament is, is a first and, you know, I don't know. How have you found it? I, I have found a lot of people don't really care one way or the other what's going on in the playing, playing tournament. Um, so I think it's been a success for a lot of people in the business. I'm not sure how many viewers it's drawn from outside. Yeah, I don't know what the ratings have looked like, and, and Evan certainly want your opinion as well. I, I just think it it's the ramp up toward the end of the regular season. That that was nice, and, and people were paying more attention to it. I, I just think the games ultimately – it doesn't really matter, you know, like the Celtics, whether they were the seven or the eight, as we know, they're not favored to to win in the first round and, and they finish where their seed was number seven, they'll face Brooklyn. We'll get into that matchup, you know, whether it's the wizards or, or the Pacers coming out of the game tonight, as we talk, it, you know, it, they're not going to beat the Sixers. I'd, I'd be, I'd be shocked. And then over in the West, again, the chalk is going to play out. Like you're going to have the Lakers in the playoffs. You're going to have, the Warriors in the playoffs. It's not going to be the Grizzlies. As we know, it's not the Spurs. You could make a, a compelling case for, you know, the top three seeds in the West potentially going down in the first round of the playoffs, but that's not the play-in tournament. That's just the way the seeding shook out with all the Lakers mm-hmm. injuries during the year and, and the fact that the Warriors, you know, were, were Steph and, and almost nobody else. I, I just don't think it's it's sort of added, and I, I guess I'm being a contrarian here based on what you've seen all over social media that's fallen in love with the play-in tournament. I just kind of think it's it's unnecessary, really. It, it not, not a lot is going to come out of it um, that that was required. Well, I think Mike hit it on the head. I think one of the biggest things it does is it de-incentivizes, de-incentivizes tanking. I think that's what the league was trying to do. They don't want another Philadelphia uh, 76 situation where you just you throw out a, a team of guys that really don't belong on the floor, you know, starting together, and they didn't want to avoid that. So I think they've they've done that. With the lottery reform in that, I think they've handled that particular problem. But I'll tell you, last night uh, was great theater, uh, and I think a lot of people enjoyed the fact that for a couple of days – I know the NBA liked it because they were part of the news cycle for a long time. You have this LeBron versus Steph showdown for, you know, one team gets into the play-in turn and the next team, you know, was one loss away from going home for the season. And last night, I mean, look, the, a couple of the games, the, the two Eastern Conference games, although, you know, the season in in Washington was, was, was a good game. You know, Boston wins, you know, going away late. Tatum drops 50 points. Uh, it was at least fun for me to watch, but it was really mostly about the LeBron versus Steph show that, that the NBA got to pump up for a couple of days. And I haven't seen the ratings for that particular game yet, but I got to assume they were probably out of control because the entire internet on Twitter last night was pretty focused on that. And it was a good game. I mean, you had right before the half, Steph Curry dribbling through three guys with a 30 yeah. foot fall away. <laughs> yeah at the buzzer and then LeBron comes down the other end at the end of the game and banks went in. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you know, you'll get Fox sports one this morning. I mean, you got, you know, Nick Wright's already on TV talking about it. I'm sure get up this morning. ESPN was talking about it. First take this morning was talking about it's, it was great. It did exactly what they want to do. More eyes in the NBA at the end of the season when people normally don't care. I mean, look, the end of the season, last day of the season, who's really watching? Not a lot of people. Guess what? Now mm-hmm. people might be more inclined to watch it, the, Mike's take of, yeah, de-incentivizes tanking is probably one of the biggest reasons why they did it. But it's every once in a while you'll get the LeBron versus Steph or a Dame versus so-and-so, and it'll be a great, you know, show for some people. And 
Now you look at the Western Conference, and LeBron gets to take on Chris Paul. Uh, that's a potential upset there. Um, I don't know if the Warriors will end up beating Utah, but what, they played extremely well last night, especially defensively, and they mm-hmm. hung with a really good Lakers team for the entire game, and Steph was tremendous. So, I don't know. I, I like it. I think it's fine. Um, and I, I hope we get to see some other outcomes of it, but I, I wouldn't touch it yet. I don't think it's going anywhere considering the ratings of it either, Mike. Yeah, I, again, I would, um, I agree with everything you just said. Um, I, I do feel that the getting to see Tatum drop 50 on somebody, um, that, that made it worthwhile right there. <laughs> just mm-hmm. for, if you're a Celtic fan, if you're a Celtic fan, you've been looking for things to hold on to. And, and that's something to hold on to to see him in a situation like that. To get a chance as a basketball uh, fan to see Bradley Beal healthy and playing, uh, to see Westbrook playing. Um, they're a very talented team. They're a fun-to-watch basketball team where the ball flies around because of Westbrook. Um, so these are things we wouldn't see. They would have been they would have gone into the night because they didn't make the playoffs, and that would have been the end of the, uh, Washington. Instead, they have a chance to, to still stay alive here. No, they don't. They're gone. No, they're alive. Right? No, they, yeah, yeah right. if, if they, they got to play the Pacers. Uh, yeah, they got to play the Pacers, Pacers tonight. They get, by the way, I didn't see a box. Run. How'd the Pacers get 144 points without LeBert? A lot of Sabonis. Uh, he, he, uh, although he didn't go for a crazy number of points, he had a big double double and then an assist away from a triple double. It's just really, really everybody. balanced offensive attack. Pretty much everybody. everybody did that. Yeah. Every, everybody it's funny. Did that. I stumbled on them about a week ago. I was just clicking through the, the league pass and I ended up watching about a quarter, quarter and a half. And, um, they got a lot of guys I never heard of that are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of guys between about 6'4 and 6'8 who, who play hard, who, who, who defend, um, who push the pace of the game, and uh, are not afraid to take shots. So, um, yeah, I, I was stunned when I saw 144 points go up on the board. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, again, the those are things too. that this players tournament have gave us a chance to, to get a look at that maybe we would never have seen. You certainly wouldn't be saying I want to see the Indiana Pacers play one more regular season game. Um, but then you go, oh, look at that, what they got. That guy's pretty good. That guy's pretty good. So, again, if you're a hoop junkie, it's good stuff. That's really what it comes down to. If you're if you're a casual fan, you don't even know what's going on. You mentioned Jason Tatum's 50 points, and, and it was a great game, obviously. In fact, the third time he's gone for 50 in the last month and a half, not even. So he's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I hesitate to say he's coming into his own because I, I think that would be doing <laughs> him a disservice putting it that way. But, you know, there's all this debate now, like, is he a superstar? Is he not? And I've I've been, for the last couple of years, sort of classified him as a budding superstar. To me, he's not quite a superstar yet, but he will be. And, and that, you know, goes without saying. So the debate is to that line between all-star superstar, like honestly, who cares? And Tatum kind of said the same thing when he was asked about it. He said, I have the respect of my teammates, coaches, peers. Like, I don't really care how you classify me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, James Harden, others are asked about it. And this is, as we know, especially with Jalen Brown out, this is the focal point for the Celtics, not just in this series, but anytime this is, this is Tatum's team. What I wonder uh, in part to that anyway, in terms of, you know, what you think his, his ceiling is also, you know, you had said, uh, just in in the last few weeks, whenever it was uh, on on Boston Radio ninety eight five, that you know you you questioned you know his level of leadership, that of Browns as well, and it wasn't it wasn't a dig on them as much as it was just these guys are young, you know maybe you need some some ten year vets around them to kind of help out in that category, you know what do you expect from these guys in terms of carrying them to the the level you want to reach? Have uh, yeah, I don't know have have you thought more about those comments and, and what his level of leadership is as you've watched what he's done in, in recent weeks? 
Yeah, it was, it was never so much uh, that I was referring to a level of leadership. It was simply the fact that, that I don't think you can be a leader unless you have experience in whatever it is you are leading people uh, mm-hmm. from that position. And I don't know how much experience. I know he's been in the league four years, uh, but I, I don't know how much of that you can have at 23 years old. I mean, and, 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 and I don't want to take that away from him. Let him be a 23-year-old. Let him be uh, – it, you got, you've got a family, Adam. You know what it's like to see, see him running around with his son on the basketball court. That makes mm-hmm. you feel good. It makes you feel good about him. Um, so let him worry about being a good dad. Let him worry about being a good uh, shooter, I guess. I don't know. But um, just a good person and let him grow up and not put the uh, leadership. I asked, this is this is, it was a great quote. I asked a friend of mine who played in the league and, and, and for a long time, and I asked him about what it's like to be the captain of a team. He says, like having 11 kids. And you gotta just, you gotta just pay attention to every one of those kids like it's the most important relationship you have with that kid. And it's tiring and it wears you out and you're not doing the things that you want to do in your life because you're doing the things for other people's lives. That's fine if you're Tristan Thompson and you're 32 years old, 33 years old. That's fine if you're Marcus Smart, even though he's kind of young. I think he's like about 27, 28, but he's been around forever. Um, I, I think. Those are the guys you want to be the quote leader. Who's going to take the last shot on the court? Of course he's going to take, who's going to take the last shot. Who's going to get the ball and put up 25 to 30 shots a game? Tatum's going to do that. Um, I got no problem with any of that. What I had a problem with when I went off that morning on Toucher and Rich was, um, I just thought that, that with both the Jays, uh, they were, um, becoming ball stoppers. Um, and the ball would move around and they get to them and they would take a quick look and they didn't make that next pass into the corner. They spun around and it became these one-on-ones, Jalen on this side, Jason on this side of the court, and they just tried to take their man one-on-one to the basket. And that became a very boring offense to watch. It wasn't mm-hmm. much fun to watch. Um, and it didn't do them any favors. And I think if, if you're going to, um, which I think you can, but if you're going to start talking about uh, Jason as a superstar, one thing that superstars do is they make other people around them better. And he's not there yet in that particular category. Okay. As a, as a scorer, as, as, as apparently a father, in all other things I can see, he gets exceptionally high grades. Um, but he, he's got to learn how he can take these wonderful skills that he has and, and turn them into something that enables him to make the guys around him better. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe they got, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe you think he does make the people around him better. Um, he, he gets people open shots when he decides he wants to pass it, but um, passing is not the first inclination that he has. Well, yeah, which is okay. And he's he's learning though. You know, it's like he comes from this, you know, the new era of AAU basketball. That's you know a lot of one on one. You know what what you can do and break down your guy off the dribble, and that's that's mm-hmm. primarily the life he's been in for a long time. Yeah. This is the yeah. first time, and I said this at the beginning of the year. I've said this countless times in the show. This is really the first time. Jason Tatum has been asked to really be more of a facilitator um, mm-hmm. than, than ever before. I mean, he's obviously – and look, I, I go back to the same quote that Dwayne Wade said on TNT months ago. Jason Tatum can make any shot he takes on the floor. I don't care what, it, what he does. He's made that shot a thousand times at least. The thing that Jason has to do is pick his spots of like, okay, we're, we are in a rut right now. Uh, offensively, nothing's going in. I got to take, you know, I can be a little selfish here and I have to get us on the board and get us, you know, get us some momentum. So that way we can go back to the other end of the floor and get a stop. Um, and finding ways to make his teammates better is, is a huge part of that and, and keeping guys engaged is a huge part of that. So 
what he's doing is you know, he's learning how to, okay, here comes a double team. Ball's got to be here at this time. The one thing I'll say about Tatum that I've noticed over the past couple of weeks, um, the free throw thing is big, but he's mm-hmm. making quicker decisions. Like when that mm-hmm. double team comes, don't sit and wait for it to get there. Try and make mm-hmm. a move quicker to make life for your teammates better. Cause you know, at the end of the day, the ball end up, might end up finding you again, you know, and, and mm-hmm. usually if it ends up finding you again, you're probably open for, for something or, you know, you can, you can go with five seconds left, breaking mm-hmm. the guy down. So, you know, with Tatum, it's going to take time. And I say this all the time. He's only 23. You know, Steph Curry didn't win a ring until he was 27, 26. LeBron didn't win one until way late. It takes, these things take time. Not everybody's going to be able to win a ring right, right away, but the talent is obviously there. This season has been a learning season for him. And this postseason with, without Jalen Brown, um, we'll see with everybody else. Marcus has been banged up. Rob Williams will see, but there's going to be a lot of offensive attention, you know, put on his shoulders. So this postseason, and we all assume, I think it's going to be relatively quick. This could be another great teaching moment for Jason in terms of what he needs to do when the games really matter and how he can elevate the level of his team, you know, against what is going to be a really unbelievably difficult opponent to face. Yeah. And I, I again, I agree with 99% of what you said. And I, I think he had five years to Tatum's life right now and make him 28. And then he's a perfect captain of your basketball team because he's your best player. He's been there now. He understands what winning and losing is all about. He understands whatever's happened during those five years, how far the Celtics got or didn't get and what he has to do to take them further. Um, then he's ready at 28. He's at the peak of his game and the peak of his skills. And then he's ready to be the captain of the team. So it's the same thing you can say about Jalen Brown. Um, can they both do it here? I hope so. Um, but he's in, he's again, he's the same guy four years from now. Um, I mean, we know what kind of a leader he is off the court. Um, he's going to be a very strong presence in whatever locker room he's calling home. Um, but again, don't do this to these kids at 22 or 23. Let the Tristan Thompsons of the world take that job. Let's talk about this series begrudgingly because, uh, Mike, I'll be, I'll be candid with you. I, I mean, as you know, I love the Celtics, but I was not looking for them to, uh, to beat the Wizards the other night because I just wanted, it, it wasn't like, oh, you're rooting against them tonight. I just, I wanted nothing to do with the Nets in round one. And it's not even mm-hmm. because of how offensively potent they are. And obviously it's, just an obscene amount of talent, even though they don't play defense, they can, you know, score the ball like mm-hmm. crazy. It, it was just the, I can't stomach. I can't stomach, you know, losing in ugly fashion, getting swept or losing in five yeah. to Kyrie Irving, you know, in, in part. And also to the Nets team that, you know, you made that, that trade with that we were laughing for years at Brooklyn. And now they've lapped you at this point, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not necessarily <laughs> through, through fault of the Celtics, you know, some, some mm-hmm. things, including Kyrie have, have gone wrong along the way and Gordon Hayward and the injuries and, you know, a, a number of different things, obviously there's been some bad luck in, in addition to some roster mismanagement at points as well. And we've spent an extensive amount of time on this show in the past talking about that, including with Gary Washburn really dissecting it on uh, last week's show. But I just, this is the matchup nobody wanted. I think it's, it's going to be very painful to watch. Uh, I, in, in some ways, I think I might've been happier watching this team land in the lottery and just losing in the play in than what the series against Brooklyn could wind up looking like. Can you make me feel better? Well, I, I do think there is one way for the Celtics to win the series, and that is for um, Brooklyn to implode. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't think that's out of the question. 
Um, Durant, Harden, and, and, and Kyrie have not played a lot of minutes together. They certainly have not played meaningful minutes together. Um, and it's going to be interesting. Harden is, is the key, I think, to the whole thing because Harden's going to control the ball and where the ball mm-hmm. goes. Um, and can he keep Kyrie happy? Can he keep Durant happy? Can he keep himself happy? Um, who's going to take the, the, the big shot? Is it automatically going to be Durant or is it going to be the ball that gets beyond Kyrie or does, does James Harden get it back and shoot it himself, which he's done very well in his career? So, uh, anyway. In terms of talent, they got tons of talent. They seem to have good coaching. Steve Nash has turned out to be a pretty good coach in his first go around. Um, so again, I think the only way for them to lose is if they suddenly just implode and they lose a game, they steal a game, the Celtics steal a game early. Uh, one of the first two in Brooklyn would be ideal. Um, and then I'll have them really start thinking about how good they are and, uh, how they're going to win games. And that'll be interesting to see. Can the Celtics just go out and beat them 145 to 140? I don't think so. Uh, it's going to take 60 out of Jason for, for that to happen. <laughs> so that being said, how do you expect this to play out? I'd like to, I'd like to see the Celtics get one game. Mm-hmm. My guess, my guess five, six at the most. And again, unless these guys implode or unless these guys suddenly decide they don't want to play uh, on a particular game for whatever reason, because it's raining outside. I don't know what they seem <laughs> to come up with a lot, a lot of reasons all season long yeah. to not show up. So, um, yeah, just eight total games together, these three. Yeah. Um, and what was the record? Uh, that I don't know. I'd it's not good. That up. It's a good question. I, I think it's less than 500. Hmm. Um, Surprising. But, but yeah, they, they could, the injury thing is always going to be there. And with Durant and how he's nursed his Achilles back, and, you know, Kyrie's had a litany of injury problems we know about, and, and you know, Harden, who's kind of reliable, but, in the playoffs has been kind of a no show pending, you know, on the year. Um, it could be very interesting. Again, I'm with you guys. I don't, I'm not sure if it's going to go too far. I think just the offensive firepower. They, again, you talk about who do you stop and Harden's, you know, is, is the guy you key in on because he has the ball, but stopping him isn't, isn't, isn't easy. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I got asked the other night, uh, you know, how to, what, what defensively would you do? And I was like, I'm not sure if I'm really qualified to answer this question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would tell you that not one single thing is going to work. You're going to have to be multiple. You're going to have to make them guess and make them think and slow them down a little bit. Because if they're playing at a, at a high pace, you're definitely not going to win. You have to slow them down. You have to make them think. And, and even if it's you know you go to a zone, you go to a you know uh, uh, some sort of trap or a box one or something, and just make them slow down, look at everything, think for a minute, and maybe you can steal a couple of possessions here and there. Um, you know, it's going to be a numbers game. You know, Tatum's going to have to be out of his mind. Kemba's going to have to play the way Kemba's been playing recently. You need a big mm-hmm. Fournier. Uh, big time. Big yeah. Time. Yeah. And, and you have, you know, Kyrie calling it, not calling out, but he, Kyrie wants the Kemba Walker matchup and, you know, mm-hmm. that'll be fun, but they're going to need some contributions from other guys and they're, and they're going to probably need some contributions from some of the younger guys that, that just got here. I mean, Neesmith's been fantastic. You need that mm-hmm. energy, especially if they don't have Robert Williams, you know, mm-hmm. Peyton Pritchard, I just, the way he picks guys up, you know, three quarter court or full court, I love that. I love just seeing somebody just be a pest for eighteen to twenty minutes. He's on the floor. They're gonna need all that stuff, and then a little bit of luck here and there too to 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 have a chance. I again, I'm with you guys. You know, six games at the most, um, but I, I just I want to see them play well. I, I really don't care the result. I would like just to see what we saw against Washington the other night, where I saw an engaged team for forty eight minutes. And a team that brought energy 
you know, yeah, they had little lapses here and there, but we didn't, Mike, we didn't see that all year. We didn't see a team that was fully engaged. Never, never. Um, yeah, they never seemed to have a sense of urgency about anything. Um, they did against Washington, obviously, the other night, and I hope they can continue to play that way. That will at least make this series competitive. If they don't play that way, these guys will beat the Celtics by 40 because uh, yep. they have so much firepower. Um, but I, I, I really don't see that happening. One thing that, not to make excuses for the Celtics, but nobody's talking about the fact that Jalen Brown is gone. And Jalen is not like a 15 point per game guy. He's a 25 point per game guy. That's yeah. a ton of points that we're losing that is very difficult with the current roster we have to make up. Fournier is going to have to play a big role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has played well of late. So I think that's going to be helping. Jalen does two a, guys. Jalen does a decent job on Durant, if I remember as well. He's not afraid of taking that matchup, even though Durant's, you know, this other world score. I believe he's held his own recently against Durant. Yeah. Walker and Fournier, though, have to play well. Have to play well and have to be 20 to 30 point scorers in each game and then let, let Jason go for 35 and then see what, add him up at the end and see what happens. But the problem with these guys, when you add them up at the end, they have 150 or something yeah. like that. Well, to that end, a lot of the full schedule came out last night people were griping about how spread it out spread out it is and and in some cases two days between games but i mean that actually works in the celtics favor certainly works in in in, uh kemba walker's favor you know the the fact that he he already as we knew wasn't playing back-to-backs and it's not like they're back-to-backs in the playoffs but more time you can give him to stay fresh and, and be that guy that's gone out and lately consistently scored 30 points that's, you know, you're going to need him to be that guy to uh, everybody's point here. On Kyrie Irving, uh, just, you know, with a few more things to get to before we let you get out of here. Um, I don't know if you caught the the comments that he made yesterday or the day before uh, about, um, you know, he and, and Kevin Durant in particular finally having this opportunity to realize what they signed on to do when they both went to the Nets. And it was just, it was very typical Kyrie being Kyrie and talking around a lot of things, not giving straight mm-hmm. answers, but saying that, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be, uh, could be 10, 20 years before uh, he and KD are, are given the credit for their vision and coming to, because I don't know if you know this, Mike, that, that Kyrie Irving invented the super team. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a decade or two before he gets the credit for, uh, for all mm-hmm. of this coming together. But, you know, was asked, he, he basically volunteered why it didn't, work out in previous stops and you know there have only been a couple celtics and Cavs. uh you know why why didn't it work out in boston well he said he wasn't able to be himself he's you know battling you know friction with teammates he he wasn't happy he wasn't having fun and it's just you know at at a certain point in time and i I heard sean grandy say this once i'm I'm paraphrasing paraphrasing the quote but it was you know that that age old uh you know if, if you're always pointing fingers at, at what a bad roommate you have uh no matter how many people you live with eventually you know it's you're the bad roommate and i think mm-hmm. uh you know that there's a lot of truth in that when it comes to Kyrie irving but he just he he can't resist he can't stay away no he can't he can't um you know people say you, you didn't like Kyrie irving i loved Kyrie irving on the court um, cause as a play by play guy, he had one of the best handles you ever saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, he made big shots, which gave you a chance to make good calls. Um, it's just that off the court, he was just such a angry, troubled young man while he was here in Boston. I mean, he just, uh, he, he just went south and never came back. Um, so again, I, I, I don't want to go to dinner with Kyrie. I, um, <laughs> I just want to see him play. Uh, I, I do think. 
the Celtics would do well to let the, all three of these guys play and not be looking for injuries, not be looking for excuses. Just go out and beat these three guys if you possibly can. Um, certainly, uh, the feeling of urgency will be there tonight, uh, tomorrow night rather. Uh, one, because it's a national televised game and they all know that. Um, but, but two, they, they have not been a popular team in Boston. Uh, they could really ch- turn some heads in the next two or three weeks if they ever took these guys six or seven games and became heroes again in Boston going into next year. That would be the best thing they could buy this series. Not, necessarily beating the Nets. I don't know if you can do that, but you can scare the living daylights out of them. Um, that would give fans a chance to re-examine how they feel about this team. In your estimation, what does the future need to be in an ideal world for Boston? I mean, Danny Ainge has asked about it constantly. Dan Shaughnessy had a conversation with him just the other day where Danny effectively said, at least you know, intimated, that he's running it back. You know, he said he's not going anywhere. Brad's not going anywhere. The mm-hmm. Jays aren't going anywhere. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. mention Smart by name or or Kemba or the potential <laughs> of re-signing Fournier, but he's addressed all of this in the past, and he has said, you know, our, our best players are coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, is is that in you've you've watched this team, you've seen the 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 lack of fight, the lack of urgency that you talked about, the fact that this was, I mean, unquestionably in terms of effort and consistency and defensively, all of it, this is the worst we've ever seen them under Brad Stevens. And injuries played a role, COVID played a role. Mm -hmm. You know, there there are some some built-in, I don't want to call them excuses because they're not excuses when they're reality. There are there are built-in factors that contributed to the way they, you know, finished mm-hmm. out this year and, and, and went 500 over the course of the season before the playoffs here, but is running it back the answer to you or, or do they need to make some significant changes? Well, I, you know, fans always want them to make trades, but they and get good players, but they don't want to give up good players. And, and you're not going to be able to do that. So if you're going to get in the trade market, <clears throat> we're going to have to, excuse me, we're going to have to air, earmark some people as, as being tradable. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus Smart is obviously tradable. Um, Jalen Brown certainly would be tradable. I don't think we want to trade him, but I think he would be very tradable in the sense you could get quality back. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's the thing that I think fans expect Danny is somehow through free agency, somehow through um, the draft, come up with these winning players. And he, he you know, is, I think his record is pretty good. They're just all too young right now. I mean, certainly Brown and, and, and Tatum were, were excellent back-to-back draft picks. Um, now you just got to fill in the, with the people around him. We, we need a big and shoot. Uh, it's too bad we had to get rid of Tice because I think yeah. he filled that role pretty well, but it, that was a salary thing. Um, but I think we need to find another Tice type of player, um, a big who can shoot. And we need a point guard. Maybe it's Pritchett. Um, but when, when Marcus and, and, and Kemba start in the backcourt, there's no point guard on the floor. Um, there's a great defender in one position. And there's a great scorer at the other position who's a two guard. At least when I grew up, we would call him a two guard. Mm-hmm. So I, in my order of importance would be a big who can shoot and pass and um, a point guard. And if not, go find a point guard, then say to Pritchard, this is your job. Let's see what you can do with it. And I, I, I think right now, I would tell you, I think Pritchard's going to have a long and profitable NBA career um, and as a backup point guard. Um, will he get a chance to be a starting point guard? Well, maybe Boston turns out to be the place that he, that he will be. But he's a guy who you look at, you see his work ethic, you see everything he does, how he plays every night, and you go, like, let's get, let's get him on our roster here, and then we'll, if we find a superstar point guard, then he becomes the backup, but he's our guy. 
Um, so Pritchett, I think, is in there for the long haul with this team. Uh, Neesmith, I think, is in there for the long haul. Certainly surprised the daylights out of me in, in terms of his athletic ability. Uh, I remember the draft night, Jay Billis going on and on about he's the best shooter in college basketball. Um, so I just had, had, hadn't seen that much tape of him. And there, there wasn't much because of the, the pandemic. So, um, I had this vision of this kind of European kind of guy standing in the corner waiting for the ball, shooting shots. And then Neesmith comes flying out of the rafters. <laughs> he's, he's in the middle of every loose ball. He's, uh, he's extremely athletic. I had no idea he would be this athletic, which is not a long suit traditionally of the Celtics. So, um, you know, I, I think he's, he's a stick and, and, and Rob is a stick. Rob Williams, if you can't find a place for Rob Williams on your team, you have something wrong with you. Uh, he can rebound, he can block shots. He, he seems to be able to follow instructions well. Um, he's, he seems like he gets hurt a little bit, but that's because I think he's athletic. He's taking chances with his body a lot. Um, so I think he's a keeper. I think Pritchard's a keeper. I think um, Neesmith is a keeper. Um, but given all that, you'd better to get find a free agent than you better find something in the draft because you're not going to say, I don't want to mention any guys' names, but guys who are down the lower end of the Boston bench, you're not going to be able to trade them to someone who's going to come and start for you. It doesn't work that way uh, unless you're getting somebody else's headache. I mean, you don't want to do that either. Um, so I, I, I think we'll be – obviously, I think we'll be better next year. Um, I don't know whether the players need to change in terms of how they react to Brad or Brad needs to change how he reacts to players. Um, but uh, certainly this was not encouraging – in terms of spirit on this basketball team. And, and, and people saw through it very quickly and didn't like this team. So um, that's where I think the, the opportunity is for the Celtics and, and the mandate is for the Celtics is to get better and get likable at the same time. Well, Mike, I know you've got a role, so I'll, I'll leave it with this. The Hall of Famer in just a matter <laughs> of months and eager for that speech, uh, another all-time great, Marv Albert, has decided to hang him up. Now he's uh, further along, obviously, than you are. But uh, mm-hmm. at, how long will Celtics fans be able to listen to Mike Gorman? Oh, I don't know. I, I'd like to think till there's a. I'd like to do one more parade. That'd be good. That sounds pretty good to me. Sooner the better. Mike Gorman okay. again, Hall of Famer. Has a nice ring to it. Thanks so much for joining us, as always. Thank you, guys. Let's do it again after the first round. We'll see what happens. Sounds great to me. Mike, we'll let you hop out. We'll uh, keep along with the show here for a little while and talk about this upcoming series. But again, uh, Mike Gorman, always terrific, Kevin. Oh, he's the best. I mean, I, uh, I got to interview Mike for the first time. It was like, it was like sort of this unbelievable uh, feeling. Cause I'm like, Mike is the only person I've listened to call Celtics games. I'm sure Adam, you're similar here. He's been behind the mic forever. Um, he is the voice, and, and this is no disrespect to Sean Grandy, who is also just tremendous and comes on the show and is, uh, I, I value his insight as well. But Mike is just this legendary figure that has seen so much over the years. Yeah. He's just, he's been there, done that for everything. I mean, you think, he, you think about the broadcasters the Celtics have had over the years. I mean, Johnny Most, Mike Gorman, Sean Grandy. I mean, man, we are so spoiled. As Celtics fans have great guys that have called games to be you know, inducted after Mike Breen. Mike Breen is tremendous. You know, with mm-hmm. ESPN and the Knicks, he's amazing. Um, you know, and then he's going with Paul Pierce, which is really cool too. I mean, it's just really, it's, it's surreal. And I'm thrilled for Mike. He's, you know, I, I, when I interviewed Mike a couple of years ago, you know, I asked him about 
the uh, the send in Jerome call with with Bill Raftery because yeah. a lot of people remember the send in Jerome, but a lot of people don't remember that Mike's the guy next to him calling yeah. the game. And uh, you know, it, and he had a lot of nice words to say about Raftery at the time, and and he, I was thinking it's the, the old adage with uh, with with Raff, it's like Raff Scott, I think he called it Irish tendon, uh, Irish not tendonitis, um, Tourette's. No, uh, <laughs> what's uh, when your joints hurt? Come on, it starts with a T. I don't know, but he was like, he's he's in a he's stiff in a different joint every night, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but Mike's always warm and, and welcoming and, and and just the best, and we're fortunate to have him along for the ride. Um, can't imagine anybody else calling games, and whoever has to fill those shoes, <clears throat> it'll probably be Sean Grandy. Uh, will have big shoes to fill, no question about it. Want to mention quickly, of course, this show is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, uh, of course, NHL, MLB, all in full swing. Bet Online is a series of uh, prop bets for every single postseason series in the NBA, for instance, Brooklyn and the Celtics. Well, you've uh, got how will this series finish? Nets beating the Celtics in five. That's plus 180, I think. You know, listening to Mike, Evan, me, I mean, that's probably your most likely bet. Uh, Brooklyn sweep. Some people would say that is more likely. That's plus 240. Celtic sweep uh, does, you know, dare to dream, I guess, plus 10,000 leading scorer in the series. Tatum at plus 175, which makes a lot of sense. He doesn't have really any help around him in, in uh, you know, a, a consistent offensive presence anyway. Certainly not like that three-headed monster there in Brooklyn. Irving is plus 225, Durant plus 275, and Harden behind them. And uh, at betonline.ag, you can start betting on some of the end-of-the-season awards, which have, of course, been voted on but not announced yet. MVP, Sixth Man of the Year, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, Defensive Player of the Year, all that good stuff. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way and the best place for you to place your bets. It is free to sign up as well. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, the promo code CLNS50, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So Evan, we won't go uh, too much longer here. I wanted to make sure that we really maximized our, our time that we had with Mike and, uh, yeah, who wants to listen to us after that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, people have clicked off at this point. Yeah. You know, it's, so, all right, Mike's done? All right, well, yeah, we're done. Uh, let, let us know who you have next week. We'll, we'll see you later. Yeah. Um, I just don't think this is going to go well. I, I really don't. I, that puts me in the majority, clearly. And uh, I guess where I was in the minority um, is I, I, I was – not I wasn't rooting for them to lose against the Wizards because I can't watch the Celtics and root for them to lose. I'm not built that way. But if I had my druthers, like if you were to say, like, don't watch the game, but pick your outcome. And I'm I, it's sort of semantics, I guess I'm kind of saying the same thing, albeit differently is. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think I I, w- I would have preferred to see them go against the Sixers. And so lose to Washington, yeah. Indiana, that that would have been more pleasurable for me. Who did? Who didn't want? Like nobody wanted the Celtics to play the Nets. I told you that was going to happen, though. I knew it was going to happen. That yeah, it just was, makes sense, right? It's it destiny right. That, that they that they play this Nets team. It's just destiny. And look, it's weird to root for a loss. I didn't want. I look. We all wanted them to play Philly just because they've owned Philly in the past. I know that might be different this year because Embiid's you know, having an insane season and Dockers is the new head coach and all that stuff. You always want to play Philly just because of the past and how well they've played against them. Um, 
rooting for a loss stinks. It's dumb, but I understood why people wanted to do it. I'll make a case though that again, Boston playing Brooklyn is actually the best outcome. One, you're channel your, your inner Ian Thompson here. I got it. Well, one, it, you know, and, and Ian had a great idea about it. Like you want to play Brooklyn first because if they're going to be rusty. You know, this is the only time you're going to get to to to, to play them while they're rusty because as they keep mm-hmm. going, they're just going to keep getting better. So there's that adage. We'll see if that holds up. And and Ian was right on the money with that. I think um, as a potential storyline. Uh, another one is look, Jason Tatum is going to play maybe the toughest matchup he's had to play his entire life, and that's mm-hmm. going to bring the best out of him, or it'll make him learn how to be a better player. All right, that's how how do you maximize Jason Tatum? Um, and, and get into the next level. I don't know. He doesn't have too many more levels to go, but he does have a few more to go. This could be a way to propel him to the next level. And the last thing I'll, I'll say is this. If you're building a team right now in the Eastern Conference, this is a team you have to stack yourself up against. It's not the, it's not Philadelphia. And look, Philly's great, but this team in Brooklyn's got way more talent than them. And again, they're only going to get better as long as they stay healthy. You're going to learn pretty quick what you'll need to beat that team. And you'll, you can be able to sit there and say to the roster, this guy's useful. This guy's not useful. This guy's, and you'll be able to, to kind of have a better, a clearer picture of where you need to go in the off season. So you're better, uh, you know, equipped to beat a team like that. Now internal improvements will help like, you know, Jason and Jalen getting better and guys getting healthy and COVID not being a thing. That'll be one particular way they get better, but you're going to have to make some changes, you know, from a roster standpoint, some changes maybe from a coaching standpoint and from an office standpoint you'll be able to know how far behind you are after this series. So um, I actually do think it's the best outcome because, again, all those things. And, and, look, the way they played against Washington is the way we wanted them to play the entire season. That was an oh, inspired effort situation. for 48 minutes. It was much better effort. The chemistry was better. They had they had just much better energy on the floor. So, you know, that game brought it out of them. Maybe this particular series will bring that out of them too. I don't know. But I think if you're going to – Think that you, you can't slack off against this Brooklyn team, so you have to be focused from, from the tip. So, again, a couple of ways to, you know, they call it a spin zone, or you're trying to make, you know, the optimistic version of this. This is the reason why you want to play Brooklyn. That, that's all I got, though. I entered the chamber at this point, Adam. You know, listening to Mike talk about, you know, they obviously they could steal a game, perfect world, they could steal two. And this is something, it's it's funny that he brought it up because it's something that, that I was – asked about yesterday uh by someone i was i was chatting with like what well what if the celtics lose in six and my my initial maybe you feel the same way maybe you don't but my my initial reaction my my just my my gut was that's maybe the worst case scenario for the celtics is losing in six because you go down to brooklyn in six games without jason jalen brown you've presumably played well competitive kept games close hopefully maybe with an outlier in there but you know a lot of what we talked about earlier in the show why it's bad is this reason you could convince yourself and i don't know that danny ainge even thinks this way maybe he doesn't maybe maybe he's already decided what he wants to do this offseason and what happens in this coming series doesn't mean a damn thing but the way a lot of people are wired reactionary certainly social media uh, which is the vocal minority i understand you know, they go down in six without Jalen Brown, people will convince themselves, well, if we got a healthy Jalen Brown, you know, we got a chance to win that series. Maybe we do win that series. 
And then you start to think more and more about running it back next year and doing what we, you know, talked about earlier, where we know uh, that, that Danny, Brad, the Jays are going to be back bar. Like the only situation where Jalen Brown is traded. And I don't think he is or should be is in a Bradley Beal swap. Like that's the only thing I can imagine in terms of him being dealt, unless something totally unforeseen a la the Kyrie Irving acquisition a couple of years ago, you know, comes into play. I, I just don't see it. So you start to think about running it back and well, I don't know down the stretch Kemba. Sure. He can't play every game and you know, but he won't have to sit back-to-backs every game you know every time next year like we're we're a year removed from that we've we've got a plan for him and and if when he does play he's getting you 25 to 30 points that contract's not not so bad and yeah we'll pay into the tax for 48 give him whatever he wants and smart you gotta have him back he's your heart and soul he's your emotional leader and well look at the growth from Smith and and look at what Pritchard's doing and, and Williams man I know he's hurt but we could only keep him on the floor and then well, Grant Williams, he had some meaningful minutes there against. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying that. You, I'm just saying you go, you go guy by guy, and you can convince yourself not not all the way down the bench, but for your core rotational players, you could convince yourself in a competitive series against the Nets, albeit a loss, but a genuinely competitive series where you're you're kind of on the precipice of winning against arguably the the top team in basketball, certainly in the Eastern Conference. No disrespect intended there, Philadelphia or Milwaukee, but. You could convince yourself running it back is actually the plan, despite how uninspired they were all throughout this year. And and I'm not saying a big shakeup is necessary, but you got to do something. And I'm not sure that something, whatever it is, does happen if they go out and put up a real fight against Brooklyn. Something would have to be really – there would have to be an outlier sort of situation, I think, for that to happen. You know what I mean? Um, I think – the fact of the matter is we have an entire regular season of data that suggests this team might not be, you know, perfectly, you know, matched up to compete night in and night out against some of these better teams. I would be shocked if a six game series against, again, the elite of the elites, in the NBA were to drastically change their plan to say, you know what, maybe we don't have to be as aggressive. I think, I think they all know they have to be aggressive. Um, I don't think and Danny's not a guy that, you know, look, we give him a lot of credit, you know, not, not credit, but a lot of flack for, oh, he didn't trade for this guy. I think Danny understands that, like, this is a really pivotal point of this franchise and their direction where they're going. You know, outside of a Bradley Beal trade, yeah, the Jays aren't going anywhere. They're, they're not going anywhere. They have cap implications that they understand that they are running up against. Now, if Wick's like, cool, I don't care, like, paying the tax then, you know, you can bring Fournier back and have Smart in the team and just don't care. But, like, at some point, you know, somebody's going to go, whether it's going to be, you know, not re-signing Fournier or Smart gets traded or Kemba gets traded. Some big piece is probably not back next year. What it is, I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. I've thought about it a little bit, and we've talked about how I've, not talk myself into a Marcus Smart trade, but at least I understand the logic behind it. And it's not about it's just about the cap number and trying to figure yeah. out how to best manipulate that number and, and stay under the tax and, and duck all those things for as long as you can. So um I I I understand what your point is, but I don't I don't think being competitive with Brooklyn is going to change their plan all that much. I think they have an understanding of like, look, we need we can't you can't get suckered by this little bit of data. Although, look, you can flip, make the flip side of look at what Phoenix did. They went 8-0 in the bubble and decided, hey, 
you know, maybe we really got some. And I made this point with people that are like, I hate the play in tournament or I hate this, I hate that. Look, if you're one of these teams and maybe, and maybe, you know, the, the Charlotte Hornets isn't a great example because it's got their ass kicked and they didn't have Gordon Hayward. Right. Um, but the Phoenix yeah, Suns, he, he didn't play all year. Right. The Phoenix more, Suns, more I use, right. I use Phoenix as a great example. They don't go eight on the bubble to almost make it. They go out and get Chris Paul in the offseason, or at least they are they as aggressive about it in the offseason? Maybe they're not. And maybe they're not the second seed in the West right now. So, you know, I think in certain situations you can overreact. I don't think regardless of what happens in the series, I think the Celtics have an offseason plan of what they want to do. I think they know what it is already. And this is just gonna maybe confirm some things, um, or maybe clear up some things. I I, I don't know, wouldn't you? What's that plan? I I, I don't know. Can we talk though for a second? Because now that we're at the end of the season, because you sort of brought it up, the whole Kemba Walker minutes restriction thing, and not playing him in back to backs. Now mm-hmm. there is potential that it might cause a little bit of friction and a little bit of a chemistry issue in the locker room. I don't know that. I don't think anybody knows if it did because none of us from the locker room this year. Sure. It's just a possibility. Yeah. But can we just say it worked? Because he looks yeah. he looks as good as as he's ever looked. That game against Washington, he was terrific. And over the past couple of weeks, he's really been a steadying force for Boston. So, again, I know it was annoying. I know Kemba probably hated every second of it, especially towards the end of the season where he knew he was ready and knew he could play, but we still had to go through this whole he can't play in back-to-backs thing. Can we say it worked? Can we say it worked? We can definitely say it worked. My my issue with it, it and, and this wasn't an issue with – Kemba and it wasn't even an issue with the plan it was an issue with the situation and the and the acceptance of of just like doing what you have to do obviously you know to to get to this point and obviously he's he's playing and to your point he looks as good as he's ever looked in a Celtics uniform no doubt about it but along the way it really felt like the lack of continuity is he in is he out and what's it look like when he's not there what's the rotation who are the combinations who are the starters and so on and so forth then you add in other injuries and COVID and things along those lines it was so incredibly disruptive that it's hard to stomach the idea of going through another season of that because I do think that played into their struggles uh handsomely I mean I, I think that that was heavily involved no question. No, absolutely no question about it. I mean, if you have Kemba Walker every night and you know you have Kemba Walker every night, you kind of you can play the game a little bit differently. Um, the, the good thing is for Boston is they knew the Knights, they weren't going to have them and they could kind of game plan around it. But now you have, you know, two game plans. You know, I don't, I don't make, make this like a football analogy because no, it's, it's, it's not really it's true. cut and dry, but everybody's like, you know, Mac Jones and Cam Newton have to have different playbooks because they're two different types of starting quarterbacks. So, it's you sort of play it, the same way with Kemba versus without Kemba. You right. couldn't. You can't. It's impossible because he's such a great player and he commands so much attention on the offense then that, like, again, I love Marcus Smart to death. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, when Marcus is the starting point guard versus Kemba's the starting point guard, you have two different game plans, one of the opposing teams. So, uh, or but if it, it was Pritchard and then you had three. Right. Yeah. Like, it, you come out waters every once in a while. Total, start. Like three totally different style of player and, and level of their career as well. You know, it, it was just it, it that had to be, again, get why they did it. They needed to do it. And clearly for, you know, specifically Kemba, it worked. Right. But and hopefully for the team, it it, it shows some benefit. We'll see. You know, I, it helped them against Washington. Sure. But, you know, what's a play and win really worth? You know, we'll, we'll see what they do in the postseason. But 
you know, and, and for the longevity of his career, really, that's what this is all about. And so we'll see what it looks like next year, assuming he's still in a Boston uniform, because I, I just don't think they're going to be able to unload him much as, as Danny Ainge may try or may want to. Well, well think about uh, the stigma too, right? They trade Isaiah after he gives them everything and, and, yeah. and cost Isaiah just an absurd amount of money. And I still feel bad about that. Well, but, but, but nobody, it, nobody cost him that, you know, like it, well, they missed he got him. hurt. He got like, hurt. Yeah. And he played like, through it and, it, and he, got, he got hurt. And he played through it admirably. Right. Then they, and know, then they traded but, him afterwards, which is never a good look at least in the, in look, I, Oh, it was a terrible look for PR, but, right. or with other players around the league or that's, but, but it's not like we can sit here and pretend that he would have been something different had he stayed in Boston versus what he turned out to be, you know, with all the other subsequent stops. That's he fair. was never going to be healthy. That's fair. It's just a point of like, look, we're not, we're not, but although, you know, if they, if they go and just trade Kemba this off season being, you know, they could go right back to the, well, the, the something's really heartless or whatever, whatever. It's like, well, they paid Kemba 30 million. It's not like you're not paying him money. Um, right. It's just a matter of, they, you know, they, they, have to, contract. they have to nurture the asset and, and, you know, Kemba is potentially an asset. And, you know, we remember Devin at the beginning of the year, you couldn't trade, you, you couldn't call anybody to, to take Kemba Walker right now. Well, now, yeah. you know, th- now look, you'll still have trouble moving that contract, but it's not, it's not untradeable anymore. I don't think. No, um, but you'd have to give up, you know, multiple draft picks or a, a player you like along with him in order yeah, to or take it. back bad salary too. So there's always that, but right. I just want to point out that even though it, it sucked to watch. It sucked. It just sucked to watch. And it, again, I think it was a big problem why this team struggled this year. It worked. He looks great. Um, he's ready for this particular series. Again, how long they'll go, we'll find out. Um, but it, it definitely worked. He's, he's playing the best he's ever played in terms of like this season and think back to last year where he was an all star. It probably similar numbers. I'll give the edge to the, you know, the all star caliber portion of that season just because. You know, he made the all-star game, but it, it's, it worked. It got him to this point. He looks great. Um, you know, he's shooting the ball well. He's scoring well. That burst is still there. Um, you know, he's not getting to the free throw line as much, but he's, he gets in there. It's not like he, it's just, he's not getting the calls. So it's just one of those situations. So, you know, I, I'm, I, again, I wasn't quite sure how it would look at the end of the year, but I, I'll tell you right now, I'm, I've been, I, it worked out really well for them, I think. The only good redeeming thing that I can think of about the Celtics and Nets matching up in round one, we'll get out of here in a minute or two, is that at least come game four, and I wish this were the case for game three, maybe maybe the governor, maybe the state of Massachusetts can can massage its, uh, its, its new mandate here, but at, at least for game four on the 30th, May 30th, if people haven't seen the schedule, it will be a full building. It will be a full building at the TD Garden giving Kyrie Irving crap. That place is going to be nuts. Unfortunately, it won't be full capacity for game three. But game four, you will have everyone in attendance ready to dump on him for the first time. This will be right. the first opportunity for Celtics fans to crap all over Kyrie Irving in person. And I am eager for it. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he's going to need some sage for sure. <laughs> bad juju out of it. but like look that that villain's gonna be crazy i mean I, I don't know i'm sure you know you and i we texted about it last night so i know you watched the bruins game last night but the just having a few thousand people in the stands brings you a little bit of energy in the in the yeah. washington game although 
hard to tell, and I'm and I don't mean to dump on TNT, but that the audio setup for that game against yeah, Washington TNT was tough. Couldn't even hear anything. It was impossible. Marv on his Barka lounger. Well, look, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to dump on Marv. He's had a great career. No, um, I agree. I'm happy he's uh, finding finding the uh, the end of the road here. Um, but uh, it's just that you couldn't feel the energy. But I'm sure there's some energy there. There's going to be energy in Game Three, and there's going to be a lot of energy in Game Four. Um, and I can't wait to see it because this is a team. You know, every team thrives off their home crowd, but this team specifically, you know, they, there is a, there is a connection there. I mean, KG talks about it all the time, how Celtic stands are, you know, they're relentless in a good mm-hmm. way and a bad way. You know, you'll see some of the good way. I think, you know, come game four, you'll, you'll see a really supercharged building that's been dining it in there. All right, folks, do a solid. And of course, uh, as you, if you haven't already subscribe to, Celtics beat you can go to iTunes or anywhere that your podcasts are found and while you are doing that give us a rating a review uh, preferably a five-star rating and a kind review but you know I guess speak your mind whatever it is you know we're give me a five-star rating and if you look if you want to make fun of me yeah just at least give us a five-star rating you can say anything you want about me I don't really care what it is yeah I mean you, look crap all over me in the process just right. give us a five-star rating in uh you know on, I, on we iTunes. see the comments below on the video by the way you guys yeah, we are, read those you guys are hilarious actually i, I find them yeah, funny really all like the time them. what do we get the other day? we got teen wolf chad yeah. and mr clean for Ian right. thompson and i and i'm so you know like old and disconnected i didn't even know what a what like the chad reference was i chad and brad them. yeah like, what, like, what is this what's, yeah what's it's, a, are, it's a diss what are the what are the people saying about me? This isn't my world. Yeah, I'll take Teen Wolf. I was Teen Wolf for Halloween one time. It worked out really well for me. So like that. Yeah, but Michael yeah. J. Fox would be proud. Oh man, one of my favorite movies. Even though it's you look back on it, it's a really terrible movie. Don't say it. It's a no, great movie. Do, yeah, don't you say it. Teen Wolf two? You can you can dump on on. Yeah, uh, movie's trash. I love love Jason Bateman, but it's not a good movie, and, and he would admit that as well. But yeah, don't not a bad word about the original Teen Wolf. So movie. good. All right, series is getting going, folks. The uh, if if you've missed the full series along the way, uh, here's the deal. Here's what it is because it was announced late last night. Game one is of course Saturday in Brooklyn. Game two is Tuesday, also in New York. So a couple games between those two series. After a couple more days of rest, good for Gemba. We'll shift back to Boston Friday, May 28th. That's one week from tomorrow as we sit here right now. Sunday, May 30th with a full building at the Garden. Those are the four games that we know about with certainty. After that, it becomes, uh, you know, the if necessary ter- uh, category. And that's game five, Tuesday, June 1st, back in Brooklyn, in Boston for uh, game six, Thursday, June 3rd, and Saturday, June 5th at Brooklyn for a potential game seven. Now, will it get that far uh it's highly unlikely but the idea of the celtics playing june basketball uh i like it it uh it makes me feel like they're uh, a lot farther along than they actually are but uh hey that's okay you know round round one june basketball is fine with me i'm good with it same i'm not gonna complain uh nets and five that's that's where you're landing here yeah yeah it could be i'll give him a gentleman sweep doll i'll give the seas one game All right. Well, thanks to Mike Gorman, the Hall of Famer. Again, a nice ring to it. 
and uh, always great having him on. We'll take them up on that. We'll have him back after round one and, uh, you know, whether we're, we're doing a uh, an autopsy on the season or a preview of round two in a perfect world with a, a very different tone for the show. Either way, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get him back and we'll talk again. He's Evan Valenti. I'm Adam Kaufman. Thanks for being with us, folks. We'll catch you next time on Self and Speak. My world.